welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. This is a very exciting moment for me. And if you've ever been in a place in your life where you've had a dream and it's taken you years to follow through with that dream, you have a sense of what I'm feeling right now in this moment as I launch our very first episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. There's a lot of excitement and nervousness and a little bit of the scary is coming up for me as I record this first episode. And I want to just take a moment to thank all the people in my life who have supported me on my journey, on my healing, on my transformation, and on the process of me creating this podcast. To the friends, to my family, to my clients, and to all the strangers who I've met along the way, who have reflected back to me the beautiful emotions of gratitude and thankfulness for the conversations that we've shared, the conversations that have helped heal, inspire, empower, and create new innovative direction in their life. I just want to cast a feeling of gratitude toward you all for helping me finally make this next step in my mission and in my purpose to help people grow, to help people transform, and to help people heal. That's a big reason why I started this podcast. It's called Think Out Loud because it's through the process of when we think out loud, that we gain insight. Insight is one of three different ways of approaching this podcast that I hope to use as a way to help you, as a way to help you break through your mental, emotional, and energetic blocks that have been holding you back from healing, from growing, and from achieving the goals and the dreams and aspirations that you most desperately have in your life. And ultimately, my hope is that you'll find inspiration that will help you on a new way forward to help create a life of passion, of purpose, and of peace. So thank you to all you listeners who are tuning in with me here today. Insight is one theme. Another two themes are raw wisdom and authentic inspiration. And what I mean by those is as a life coach, a transformational coach, a relationship coach, and a leadership coach, yes, I've studied with some of the best thought leaders in the world, and I've had some unique opportunities to expose me some to some incredible tools and strategies that help on the personal development journey. But ultimately, what I found to be the most relatable and the most authentic is when I share my story, when I share my story and in reflection of the perspective that I've gained from my life experiences that I hope to pass on through, the, through this episode and through all the episodes to come. There was this beautiful thing I was reading in Michael Singer's book, The Surrender Experiment, where he said, you don't have to have lived my life story to be affected by it. And so I hope that in opening myself up and inviting you into the intimacy of my vulnerability and my story, that you can be affected by that. You can be inspired by that. And so through the collection of my raw wisdom, my authentic inspiration and insight, that you'll be supported by listening to this podcast. So a little bit about me. As I've mentioned, I'm a transformational life, leadership, and relationship coach. I'm on a mission to inspire people to awaken and activate the best version of themselves 
And by helping them break through their energetic blocks, their mental blocks, their emotional blocks that are holding them back from achieving their goals and creating lives of passion and purpose and peace. This episode feels like a special one because as I begin this podcast, I want to be able to have an opportunity to speak out into the public world of who I am. Many of you listening to this podcast are probably friends or family members, people in my community. But as this podcast hopefully stretches into people who I've not yet to connect with, I want to use this episode as a way of connecting with you. But I also want to use it as a way to demonstrate the power of what happens when we become stewards of our own story. And what I mean by that is I hope that even though you have not lived my story, that you can be affected by it in a way that inspires you to look back into your life and into the experiences that you've had and how they have shaped what you've learned about yourself, what you've learned about who you are, what you've learned in your belief systems and who you have become, and also who you want to be in the world. So it's not just connection with me, but I hope that in a way you'll be able to connect deeply within yourself today. And, you know, as I, as I start this podcast, it feels important to provide some context as to what's inspired me to want to talk so much about personal development and healing and emotional communication skills and human transformation. And, and a lot of those answers are, are going to be revealed through my story and what I've been through and what I've overcome and where my triumphs are. And, you know, as I'm speaking, I think about how easy it is to downplay our own story, how we're taught in society to hide and to be small and to not own our gifts and speak ourselves into the world with confidence. And I think a lot of that has to do with that we're afraid. We're afraid that if we, we speak out too boldly, that others will feel threatened by that and that we will be liked less as a result of that. And so we tend to play small. We tend to over-index humility. While humility is important for learning, I think true humility is to be able to stand in our truth and own who we are while constantly being committed to learning and to growing and being adaptable and flexible. But in an effort to be humble, we, we hide and we oftentimes lose a sense of connection with who we are. And, and so I hope that this episode today helps you find not just a silver lining in your life, but a gold lining, a gold lining defined by the poor memories and the moments in our life that shaped our values and our core values, values being defined as simply our way of being in the world. And our way of being in the world being defined as a place within us where we consciously or unconsciously make choices from, make decisions from, take action from, show up in our relationships and at work from. These values define us and they are shaped by the sum of our human experiences and the people that we meet. And so I'll speak myself into the world today, but I'm going to do that a little bit differently than I think many of you may be used to. So bear with me on this. Here's what I don't want you to know about me, is that for the first 30 years of my life, I suffered from insecurity and a lack of self-confidence. Um, I don't want you to know that in my early childhood, I was 
teased and made fun of and made to feel like I wasn't good enough. I don't want you to know that I've been through depression three times now. I don't want you to know that I've had my heart broken so harshly that I questioned whether I wanted to continue living. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to find a way. I, I don't want you to know that when I was 21 years old, I had a best friend die of a, a drug overdose. I don't want you to know that in my professional career, I experienced a tremendous amount of success, but I learned that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure in life. And I don't want you to know that when I was 11 years old, I was sexually manipulated by a friend. And I don't want you to know that through my life and even still to this day, I have a fear of not being chosen. And it's through these experiences that I am sharing with you right now that I've had a tremendous impact on who I have become and why I do what I do. I'm a transformational life, leadership, and relationship coach. And these challenges in my life have proven to be tremendous growing opportunities for me and have shaped what I believe about myself and what I believe about people and the world and why we're here and why I'm here. And I'm leading with this type of vulnerability because I believe that we live in a world where there's an epidemic of loneliness and it's filled with people who are truly afraid to just take off the mask of who they think they need to be in order to be accepted. Uh, Thomas Cooley has this powerful quote where he says, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am what I think that you think I am, which means that we are constantly living through the projection of what we think other people think of us or what we think will be accepted by other people. We call that a mask. Ram Dass says that if you want other people to take off their mask, that you have to be willing to take off yours first. And there is this ongoing question about what creates meaningful connection and what is connection. Connection is the experience of being seen, heard, understood, valued, appreciated, and loved for who you are. It's this experience where we can trust one another with our vulnerability and trust that as we share that although we offer the power to destroy one another, we trust that that won't be used. Vulnerability is the pathway to deep felt heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul connection. We most desperately want to be seen for our humanness, and yet we put on the mask of perfection. And I think that it's when we are willing to be seen authentically and radically for who we are in our messiness that we can find relatability in one another and that we can find a pathway to support one another and realizing that we're not alone in challenge, in struggle, in hardship, in loss, in pain, and even in trauma. And it's those moments in our lives where we and our humanness and all of its beauty come together because we support one another. We care for one another. We have an instinctive response to help when we see somebody in need, to offer support, to care, advice, whatever that may look like. And so when we are willing to take the armor off, the armor that we put on because we've been hurt, we've been hurt in the past, we've been hurt in childhood, and we protect ourselves because we lose trust 
We lose trust in others. We lose trust in the world. And so we armor up. But the challenge is that that armor that we put on ourselves to protect ourselves is the same thing that keeps us isolated, alone, disconnected. And it takes a tremendous amount of bravery and a tremendous amount of courage to shed that armor, to take the risky but necessary step to put ourselves authentically in the world, trusting that not everyone will accept us, but the people that we most desperately want to be around and the people that we desperately want to feel connected to will accept us, will love us for who we are. There's a magnetism that authenticity creates in the world and for yourself, where when we our responsibility is to show up in our truth and show up in who we really are. And it's not to say that we're always focusing on the hard things and the bad things. We're just being honest and real about them. And this episode today is going to contain some stories of mine that help provide some context as to who I am. Um, but I'm not just the hardship. I'm not just these memories. What I I guess I could say what I do want you to know about me is that I'm a man that's chosen to live my life through a lens of intuition courage, faith, fun, gratitude, compassion, curiosity, kindness, and love. And I know those just sound like buzzwords pulled from a value list, but the reality of it is that these core values of mine are anchored deeply into my bones and into my nervous system and into my spirit based on the sum total of my life experiences, the most painful, even traumatic experiences, some of which I've already shared with you, to also the most beautiful, pleasurable, awe-filled, wonderment-filled, ecstasy-filled moments of my life. And there is no darkness without the light, but together we think that those are working against one another when really they're working in harmony to create synthesis within ourselves. And there's a beautiful alchemy of the combination of those two things that take place that have helped me become aware of these core values. And each of those words, there's a story anchored behind them. You know, I'm a transformational life coach and I'm on a mission to help inspire and awaken people to become the best version of themselves so that way they can break through their mental, emotional, and energetic blocks that are holding them back from achieving their goals and ultimately creating a life filled with passion, with purpose, and with peace. This is a calling that I found when I was in depression, my first round in 20 years old, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. I also want to share that I'm a man that likes to live life on the edge. To me, edge is an acronym that stands for everyday go extraordinary, which means very much so similar to courage. It's in that moment of where there's a line, where there's fear, where there's a, where there's a border between the world that I know and a world that feels uncertain. Not an uncertainty just like what's going to happen with this podcast episode, where I'm just going with the flow of it. But it feels edgy and it feels scary, but it's the choice to live at the edge because that's where there's the most growth. That's where what we would call flow state is, where there's just 4% challenge above our current skill level that stretches us to the next level. And it's at the edge where that takes place. And I seek to live at the edge, whether I'm in my yoga practice, in a deep stretch, or whether I'm surfing, or whether I'm in a romantic dating situation, a romantic situation where my mind wants to hold on to old things. It's leaning into those areas of discomfort, leaning into our vulnerability, leaning into fear that I believe I've, is, is a beautiful way of committing to life. I've learned, that, uh, I've learned that reality is better than fantasy. And I've learned to surrender to the unfolding of the universe and the way that she handles things. I've learned that there's a beautiful parallel between decision and destiny. I do believe in free will, and I believe in the ability 
to make choices and make decisions and that we have the autonomy to do that. And parallel to that, I, ha- I believe in a force that is guiding us all the time. Reverend Michael Beckwith says that the universe doesn't bring you what you want, it brings you who you are. And I love that so much because sometimes my preferential mindset has an idea or a fantasy of what it thinks it wants and doesn't want. But I've learned that life has a way of bringing really unexpected things that become even more beautiful than my, my greatest fantasies. And when I surrender to the flow of life, not meaning I'm not doing anything, but being willing to make choices and take action forward in a direction that I feel is in alignment with who I am and what I want, and being open enough for the unexpected, for spontaneity, for flexibility. These beliefs that I'm sharing with you are a way of living for me. They're a way of supporting my clients. They're a way of supporting myself. And I thought it would be important to share some of these belief systems about who I am, what I do, why I feel like I'm here, and how I live my life, because some of you will resonate with that. And some of you won't, and that's okay. Nobody is for everybody. But the I wanted you all to know the place inside of me in which I'm coming from when I speak, when I share my raw wisdom, meaning the experiences and perspective that I've been through in my life that have taught me insights and that have helped me. Maybe some of them will help you, and maybe some of them won't. My invitation as you listen to this podcast, as well as all the other podcasts, is not be so caught up in whether what I say is true or not true, but ask yourself, is this useful for me? Is this useful for what I'm going through? Could this be useful in helping me accomplish what I want to accomplish? Could this be useful in helping me overcome what I'm currently trying to overcome? And my hope is that you get at least one insight. I learned that a single insight can change everything. Here's a story for you. When I was 16 years old, I made a decision to get into a car with a drunk driver. It was a friend of mine. Me and two other friends got into his Mercedes S500. We were drinking at a house and we heard that there was another party just up the way. And I grew up in a town that was on a hill. There were a lot of windy roads. And when we got in the car, I brought a beer in the car with me. I sat in the front seat and as we were driving, he immediately floored the gas. And I noticed that we were going like 70 or 80 miles an hour up a switchback road. And I had this moment where I was like, whoa, this is really stupid, really, really stupid. And I rolled the window down and I threw the beer that I brought out the window. And then I put on my safety belt. And within 10 seconds, the car was taking a sharp turn. It hit a puddle, fishtailed, hit a curb, rolled over and flipped over and fell off of a hundred foot cliff. We were all knocked unconscious. And when I woke up, I was coming out from a daze and I noticed that there was this really bright light. And I didn't even know what had happened or what was going on. But as I fully opened my eyes and came to, I realized that the car that I was sitting in was completely engorged in flames. Fight or flight kicked in and I panicked and I started trying to open the passenger door but I realized the door was stuck. It wasn't open. I couldn't get it. I was trying to kick it with my knee and kick it with my foot. And then I realized that the car was pressed up against the cliff and the the wall of the cliff was blocking the door from opening. And I remember just sitting down, face down into the ditch thinking, oh my God, this is it. It's over. And as soon as I had that thought, my friend woke up she started shaking me frantically. It was like, George, George, your window is down. And because I rolled that window down just seconds before the car spun out of control, 
we all managed to escape that window and climb up the cliff unscathed and unharmed. And by the time that we got up the cliff, the police cars, the ambulances, the fire trucks, they were all there with their sirens on and the lights flashing. And the, by the time we'd reached the top of the cliff, the fire from the car was at eye level of where we were standing. And it was this surreal moment where I was in a daze. I felt like I wasn't even hearing anything. But I remember this moment where I looked into the fire and just stared. And then as I looked up to the sky, I looked up to the stars. And for the first time in my life, I felt divine intervention. I looked at the stars and I just felt the certainty that something, someone, some energy, some force was up there looking after me. And then as I was thinking this thought, I heard this voice just come through me saying, not yet. And I remember looking to my friend who was in the back seat and I just grabbed his face and I was like, you and I should be dead right now. There is no, there is absolutely no reason why you and I should be alive right now. And yet here we are standing and I was in shock. And as the days went on, I was processing this feeling that for some reason my life was spared and that I had a responsibility to do something with that. And I'm 16 years old. I have no idea what that means. But let's fast forward like this were a movie. 12 years later, I'm 28 years old. I've just had a very successful career in sales. I was the number two producer for a $2 billion company suit and tie to work every day, meeting with 15 clients a week, operating a business of over $10 million a year within my company. And I was essentially at the top and I was completely miserable. I was successful, but not fulfilled. And I learned that success without fulfillment is the ultimate biggest failure in life. Because why work so hard? Why work countless hours to not feel happy? I was in depression. I was also going through a room romantic breakup with someone that I happened to work with on my team. And one day she decided we were having some trouble and we'd broken up and kind of gotten back together. And then one day she said, I'm moving out of town and I'm going back to my home state. And just like that, I lost a business partner. I lost my roommate and I lost a woman that I was trying to spend the rest of my life with, even though I think at the time I was just in denial that this person wasn't compatible for me. Um, and that revealed all this pain and all this suffering that I was experiencing from simply not being in alignment in my life. Depression, I've learned, is when we are disconnected with self. And the reason why I was depressed was not so much the heartbreak, although I was shattered from that. The deeper thing that was going on was, how is it I did everything right? I went to school. I got good grades. I worked really hard. I got the job. I made six figures. I live a block from the beach. I have everything that I need and, and want, and I'm unhappy. And even though this heartbreak is, is hard, I still have all of this that in theory is supposed to make me happy, and yet I'm miserable. I began to question everything that I believed. I, believe, I began to question everything that I was, and I knew that something was wrong. And it set me on my personal development journey, on a journey to find answers to who I am, to why I'm here, to find the answer to the question of, to answer the question that came up for me when I survived that car accident 12 years ago. And I remember sitting on the beach one morning, the wind was blowing, the air was cold. I decided to take a mental health day and not go into work. And I remember just wondering, maybe this is it. Maybe I, I don't know if I can keep going, feeling this pain. I was in depression for, I think, for like four or five months at that point. And then I just remembered 
there's no fucking way that I survived that car accident for this to be it. There's no way. That, that can't be it. And I had no idea what the answer was. I had no idea what was going to be next. But I had enough faith that that happened for a reason. And what I was going through right now wasn't that reason. And I remember just picking myself up off the sand that day. And I remember going to yoga. And I continued to do that for a several for, for a long time, going to yoga, meditating, just take, taking care of myself. I was in depression for a total of nine months. But what helped catalyze me coming out of that was going to Burning Man for the first time. Burning Man, without a lot of deep explanation to that story, catalyzed healing and hope for me. But it wasn't until a couple months after that that I found Tony Robbins in his first seminar, in my first seminar with him, that I now made sense of things. I started connecting the dots and I started to understand why I was doing what I was doing. I understood the power of limiting belief systems and habits and patterns of behavior and where those are ingrained from early childhood. And all of a sudden, it was like I got this 360 degree view on why I do what I do, why human beings do what they do. And things started to click. And when I saw Tony on stage in front of 10,000 people, move them to absolute tears of gratitude, of breaking through, of transformation, and truly feeling that life is never going to be the same. And that I knew that life was never going to be the same after this. I just, I knew this was it. I meant to do this type of work. I meant to help people break through their shit. And it's going to start with me. And so I hired a life coach to help me build a coaching practice, but more so help me heal through the continued wounds that I needed to process and heal through. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I ended up becoming a national speaker for Tony Robbins. And I was able to be in a situation where there were I think 10,000 people that applied for a role as a national speaker and a peak performance strategist. And I was hand-selected of one of six people. It was an honor. And it was also extremely scary because I was moving from a job that paid close to $250,000 a year to a job that paid $48,000 a year. And even though there was some commission for the, any sales that I, I was responsible for in tickets to Tony's events, that was a big major life shift. Also, not to mention the cryptocurrency market had just crashed and I had lost a bunch of money that I invested in the cryptocurrency market. So I was put into this really unique place of, in a way, scarcity. And I had to really put all my effort and all my focus. And interestingly enough, while I was going through that, that job at Tony Robbins, and it's, I'm now 30 years old, I was going through another heartbreak. And I was actually in depression while I was motivating people for Tony Robbins. Wow, that was a really hard time in my life. And it was up until the last cycle that I was a part of in Detroit. And it was March 2020. That's right. You guess it. That's when the pandemic started. In fact, when I arrived to Detroit, I committed there for four months. I got off the airplane and all these screens and windows said lockdown. And I went into a panic and it was a really hard time because I was in Detroit by myself. I was working for Tony Robbins. I'd been there for about 18 months or so, but I realized that this wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. But I was afraid. I was stuck. I was scared. I wasn't sure what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to corporate America? Am I actually going to start my coaching business during a pandemic? Didn't know the answers. And as I've mentioned before, answers can sometimes come from really abstract places. George Floyd was killed during the pandemic. And the uprising of the Black Lives Matter revolution was elevated as a result of this. And I'd experienced teasing in childhood and bullying and racism made to feel like I wasn't enough because I wanted to be white in order to be good enough 
to be accepted socially and to be loved romantically. And then I was in this chasm of being too white for the Asians and too Asian for the whites. And that was really a story that I made up in my head, but it was also a way that I felt and because of racism. And although I can't speak to what it's like being an African-American, I can experience what it's like to have racial prejudice. And so this experience was very triggering and activating for me. It brought up a lot of anger and rage. But I've never been a social activist or a hugely politically opinionated person. And I was remember thinking to myself, okay, there's a revolution that's happening right now. I looked at all 50 states in America were protesting, countries around the world were protesting. And I thought to myself, history is being made in this moment right now. Like my children are going to study this time in history like I studied the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And I just thought to myself, gosh, like, what am I going to do? And, you know, Tony would always used to say that you are always writing the story that you will one day tell. What's the story that you will want to tell in this moment in time right now? Hmm. I thought to myself, well, if I have children one day, they'll ask me, what was it like? What was it like being there during a pandemic during Black Lives Matter? And I thought to myself, I could either tell the story to my children that I watched the news from Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, it was going on and it was crazy. Or I thought to myself, I can tell the story to my children that your father was a man that stood up for what he believed in, that he was part of the revolution and didn't just watch it, and that he got out there and did something. That is the story that I wanted to tell. And although I was afraid, I was alone, and I never protested before, I said, I'm going to do this. And so I started packing a bag, packing extra clothing, bringing a mask. I remember writing a phone number on a Sharpie of my sister's cell phone number and of like a pro bono attorney for protesters because anything can happen. And I had all this adrenaline pumping through my body because I was like, this is what it feels like to go to war, to willingly put yourself in harm's way for a cause bigger than yourself. And mind you, I've barely been out in Detroit because of the pandemic and I'm from Los Angeles. And so as I watch the news, there's all this uprising and looting and rioting and tear gas and violence in the streets. And it's just it's hectic out there. And I'm in Detroit. And the only exposure I have of Detroit is Eminem's movie, Eight Mile. And so I've got this whole image in my head about what this experience is going to be like. And I'm willingly choosing to put myself in harm's way to be a part of this cause. And I remember getting to the downtown and the energy was completely different. None of the buildings were boarded up. The energy was calm. The walking hadn't started yet. There was a guy that was on a microphone making demands to local leadership. And I remember asking this guy in the audience, like, hey, what's going on? I kind of expected this to be a little more hectic and chaotic. And he goes, where are you from, homie? And I was like, well, I'm from Los Angeles. He goes, oh, brother, we do it really different here in Detroit. He's like, we don't need to wreck our city to prove a point about how to save it. And I thought, wow. And he goes, look, even the cops, he's like, they're in the audience with us. And sure enough, there were cops standing there with us. And as we started to walk, the police were actually escorting us down the street. And people were walking around, passing out food, masks, waters, shirts. And it felt like this incredible unity. And everybody was peacefully protesting, shout, shouting out for Black Lives Matter, shouting out the names of the people of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it was just insane experiencing this feeling of like interconnectedness. And I remember as we were walking for some time, there was a black woman standing next to me and I pulled over to the side and I just, what is it like being you right now at this moment? What are you experiencing? 
And she looked at me and she says, you know, George, for the last 400 years, African-Americans have suffered from racism, social oppression, genocide, tyranny, rape, murder. And there is an emotional burden generationally that comes with that, that I cannot describe to you in words. And I would never even want you to be able to understand or experience it. But she goes, but look what's happening right now. There's people all over protesting for Black Lives Matter. She points to the crowd. She says, look, there's an old white guy over there. There's an Asian person, a Muslim person, a Hispanic person. And she goes, all 50 states, countries around the world are protesting for Black Lives Matter. This has never happened in history. And she starts crying. And she says, you know, just for the first time in my life, I feel a sense of hope. My family and I, as we look at each other to comfort one another during this time, we feel change is coming. And she's crying and I'm crying and we hug and it's this beautiful moment. And we continue walking. And after the protest ended, I went home and I found myself sitting in my reading chair and I am just floored with emotion. I'm floored with adrenaline. It's just pumping from my veins and my nervous system. My heart is beating so fast. And I remember just thinking to myself, what the hell just happened? And I just sat there processing and processing and processing. And finally, insight came up. Two things came up for me. And the first thing is that when I decide that I'm going to do something for a reason bigger than myself, it empowers me to tap into a level of courage to do something that I never thought that I would do. And it's like if I were to tell you, hey, go running in that street in front of a moving bus for, and I'll give you $10 billion. You'd be like, you're crazy. I'd be dead. And yet if I said, hey, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your boyfriend, or your girlfriend is in the way of that bus, what do you try to do? Instinctively, without thinking, you respond and react to protect them, to save them. Why? Because it is our human instinct to do more for other people than it is ourself. And so when we anchor things that feel scary and edgy for us, for other people, it allows us to do things that we would never, ever do or be scared of doing because we're not enough motivation. Our own selfish needs aren't enough. And the second thing that came up for me was that if these people can go through 400 years of hatred and racism and bullying and emotional trauma and physical trauma and still have hope and faith that everything is going to be okay, I can quit this fucking job, move home to my parents' place, start my coaching practice finally, And everything is going to be okay. And then I heard this voice come through again. The same voice that said, this is really stupid in that car. The same voice that said, not yet. That voice said, it's time. That's it. Silence after that. The next day, I picked up the phone. I called Tony's brother-in-law and I said, it's time for me to go home. And I resigned. And in two weeks, I packed up my things. I moved home in July of 2020 back to my parents' place in Palos Verdes in Los Angeles to start my coaching practice, and life has never been the same. It's been over two years now since then, and the unfolding of what has happened in my life, the friends that I've met, the clients that I've served, the experiences that I've had, but most importantly, the internal feeling of happiness and joy and fulfillment and connection and peace has been the evading experience that I've finally cultivated and found. I think that it's the experience that we all ultimately seek. And I feel so honored and privileged and blessed that all of these experiences and stories have led me to this place. Now, why did I go through such a long-winded explanation of my story? Is because in these stories, 
there are traces of gold lining. There are traces of values from what I've learned to what I've caught onto. And I've learned that as I look back in my life, there are these themes that have been repeated over and over and over again, where I didn't decide what my values were. They were given to me by my life experience. Let me explain this. In the recent George Floyd story, in that moment where I was in the chair processing what happened, there were three things that came up there. Number one, when I heard that voice say, it's time, and I asked myself the question, what was that? I heard intuition. It was the voice of intuition. My, my, my insight that I shared about doing things for other people and enabling us to tap into ourselves, to enable to tap into things that we would never do, like protesting for George Floyd, thing, doing things that we're afraid of, like starting a business, doing things that we're afraid of, like being willing to say, I love whatever it is. It takes courage. Courage is when fear and taking action come together. Moments where I'm afraid of what's going to happen, but I still decide to protest. I'm afraid of starting the business, but I decided to do it anyway. Having the courage to follow that voice of intuition and then faith, faith that when I follow my intuition with courage, everything that's meant to be in my life will be. Faith that everything is going to be okay. Faith that that woman helped me find within myself. Faith that helped pull me through fear. It was faith that I experienced that night of the car accident when I was standing on that cliff looking at the stars. That voice of intuition that said, not yet. That voice from spirit that said, not yet. Faith that on the beach that day when I was in depression, questioning whether or not I would continue. It was faith that what happened before was guiding me to something beyond what I was experiencing then. Even though I don't know, faith is the ultimate belief system. It's greater than limiting belief and it's greater than an empowering belief. It's a feeling of certainty amidst uncertainty. Something better is out there waiting for me. And I realized that intuition, courage, and faith through my depression, through my hardship, that my story has been interlaced with these and woven with these gold linings of fabric of courage that I didn't even know or would label at that time. But in reflection into looking backward, through the help and support with my coach, I was able to find these traces of gold lining that I didn't see then at the time. But it takes courage to go through high school and through adolescence when you don't feel good enough, when you don't feel chosen, when you don't feel when you, when you aren't sure who your friend who, you, who your real friends are. It takes courage to show up. It takes courage not to give up. It takes courage to feel like a failure and an imposter when you're successful and still reset continue to ask questions. I didn't label it at that time, but looking back now, processing that and seeing what was driving beneath fear, what was driving beneath my limiting beliefs of not enoughness. And it was these, these values, intuition, courage, and faith. Tony also helped me find gratitude as a value of mine. I think my parents always taught me to be grateful, write thank you cards during when you get birthday presents and Christmas presents, say thank you to people when they give you things. But it wasn't until my first seminar with Tony Robbins, truly, where I understood the practice and the ritual of gratitude, even for the things that were the most traumatic in our lives. And the bullying and the teasing, it all taught me compassion of how I don't want to be in the world. You know, gosh, in this moment, I'm thinking about that book, A Man Searching for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, for those of you who don't know, was a psychologist and a survivor of the Holocaust. And during the concentration camp, he writes a story about how he was bending his knees on the ground praying to God. And one of his colleagues looked at him and said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm praying to God. And his friend looks at him and says, 
what are you praying to God for? And he goes, I'm thanking him. And he goes, how, what could you be thanking God for in a moment like this? And he responds, I'm thanking God for making me not like them. What I loved about what that book, A Man Searching for Meaning, is so powerful about, it's about how we can reframe and even in the darkest times, find gratitude. And so it's these woven golden lines, golden threads of fabric that make up our being, that we can look, be stewards of our own story with a calm confidence and certainty and humility that we are always progressing and that we are always growing. And I wanted to share my story so you can connect with yours because you don't have to have lived my story in order to be affected by it. My hope in sharing the story is that you can see a mirror reflection of some of the stories that you've been through, maybe some of the stories that you've actually been hiding from because they are painful to remember and they are hurtful. But when we have the courage to really lean into those dark moments, we can look at them really from two different ways, from the old way in which we experienced them at that time For example, when I was being bullied or being teased or being made fun of for being Asian or whatever it was, I learned that I wasn't good enough. I learned that in order to be good enough, I need to be extroverted, successful, popular, drive a nice car, make money and all these things. I could easily look back at that story from that. And it's important to do that. But it's important to then ask ourselves, is that true? And oftentimes the answer is it isn't. Now we develop these coping mechanisms, these winning strategies for success, meaning We develop these patterns, these belief systems to keep us safe when we are threatened, when other people jeopardize our safety, or when we feel we feel threatened, we we close off, we lock up. And a lot of these winning strategies work. A lot of when we decide to not trust people works in childhood. But when we program these things inside of us, they no longer sometimes serve us today. They helped us when we were children, but they don't help us breed connection when we're older. And so it's this process of being able to look back at these stories with a different lens, with an empowering lens, with the lens of if you were to go back and reparent, what would you tell that child about the way life really works? What would you share with yourself with an empowering perspective about what you can see now that you couldn't see before in a way that shaped who you are or in a way that influenced you of how not to be? That's the learning. That's not the silver lining. That's the gold lining. And as we process and unpack that, we can boil it down into a very powerful word that has anchored meaning into it because of it's our life experience. And when we, and it's not, and these values are not just a remembrance of the past, but they're a commitment forward into who we want to be in the world. I look at values as this anchor of in this moment when I'm being triggered or in this moment when I'm activated or scared, I have a choice to make. I have a choice that I can live with fear or live from courage, live with fear or live with faith. And then when I can map out what's the decision from fear, And what's the decision from courage and faith? In heartbreak, fear says close off. Fear says don't trust. Courage says remain open. Faith says the person out there that's meant to be with you will choose you. It's scary. It's easier said than done, but it's worth it. It's worth believing in something that's going to bring you forward versus keep you down. It's worth being courageous. It's scary as all hell, and we don't have to go through it alone. Ask for support, lean on friends, lean on trusted confidants, find a therapist, find a coach, do whatever works for you. But when we can navigate backwards into our past, we can become true stewards of our story and realize that our story is sacred, that deserves respect 
and care. And when we can speak ourselves and be ourselves in the world, knowing that where we come from, it creates this unshakable wholeness. This is what it really means to come home to who you are. When we can find this gold lining, when we can find these beautiful threads that make up our identity, this is who we are beneath our aspirations, beneath even our goals, beneath our accomplishments, beneath the job title that we have, beneath the relationship that we have, beneath the money that we make, beneath our thoughts, beneath our feelings, beneath our emotions, is this core, our value, our way of being. And no one, no one can take that from you. This is about how we can be ourselves authentically and own that with certainty. And I hope that my stories inspired you. I hope it gives you the courage to look back into your past and try to find where the gold lining is for you. I hope that you can express yourself radically in the world, live more authentically, because I believe that as we are pursuing magic in our life, my message to you is that it's about living in congruency, meaning alignment, where our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our principles, and our values are all alignment with one another. That when we live from the inside out, because we've done this deep work, we've healed from the past, we found the place of empowerment inside of ourselves. that we flow from the inside out, and then we set goals, we set a direction, we take action, all in alignment from that place, that it creates a magnetism. Like you become the, the center of your universe, and gravity and nature seem to be pulling effortlessly everything that you want to you. And it feels like magic. It feels like synchronicity. And I know those words seem a bit flowery to say, but even the wisest of men have passed on some wisdom that I want to share with you. Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to look at life. One, that nothing is a miracle, or two, that everything is a miracle. I believe that the choice is yours. And I also believe that either way, you're right. Carl Jung also says that synchronicity exists for those who have the eyes to see it. It's the lens in which we choose to view life. It's the lens, and we tend to find what we look for because where focus goes, energy flows. And it's about choosing, do we want to take the empowering lens or take the limiting lens? We oftentimes, by default, choose the limiting lens because it's the way that our brain is wired. It's not wired for happiness. It's wired for survival. It's meant to seek pleasure and run from pain to protect you. And that's all well and good, but there is a reharmonization of our mind, body, energy, emotion, and spirit that is this process of awakening, of awakening to who we are, of healthy integration. And it's this process that helps us find this wholeness, this magnetism, this magic in life, because it's waiting for you. There's a reason why you're here. And it's our job to be curious to find out what that is. Be curious as you look into your past. Be curious as you look into your future and be grounded in the present moment in gratitude for everything that you've been through, everything that you are, trusting that when you live from that place, everything that is meant to be in your life will be. So I'll close this episode with the mantra that I share with myself after each meditation and each yoga practice. May you be guided by your intuition, have the wisdom and courage to follow it, and the faith knowing that when you do, everything that is meant to be in your life will be. And may you have fun along the way. Thank you all so much for listening. If you found this impactful, supportive, please share this on your social media, share this with a friend, and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Lots of love. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. 
Look forward to seeing you here again soon.